I'd like to throw a challenge out to y'all. Are y'all ready for a challenge? How's your love walk? Does it need work? Mine, mine does. All of ours does. I'm going to preach a sermon in a minute called Altar. I'm not going to get into it right now, but let's. But I want to throw a challenge at you. I picked up Mark Hankins' book on on love. I want to tell you, it's brutal to your flesh. It'll work you over. And I made up my mind to start doing it. And I, I'm not, I got to tell you, it has not been easy. Love hardly notices when others do it wrong. Keeps no record of wrongs. Patient and kind. Throws no temper tantrums. You want to talk about helping your marriage, get that book and just read it. So I'm going to throw a challenge out at you because of the time we live in. Right now, we're living in times in America that are different than anything you and I have ever seen. There's one thing that we're all dealing with more than anything else is offense. Do you realize that many people around you have a different opinion than you? You're laughing at me. It's true. I think one of the most difficult things I have encountered in, my, in the last two or three years is talking to people if I have a different opinion. Very, very hard to carry on a conversation with somebody who, who the, the way of dealing with you is to shut you off. Can I ask you how you're ever going to learn anything? Why is your opinion so important that it can't be challenged? Is it right? Let someone challenge it. I love being around people who think different than I do. I, I enjoy being around people who go, I don't agree with you. It doesn't bother me. Tell me what it is you don't agree with. I'll go home and get a Bible out and go, oh, you know, they have a point. People, you, relationships are more important than your opinion. Amen. I'm just going to stop right here. I'm not going to say another one. I'm just going to stop. The Bible says seek peace and pursue it. Lisa and I don't see eye to eye on everything because she's wrong. No. There have been times she has been right. When I found out as a husband... There's times to listen when I don't agree. The reason that the world is in the mess it's in is because people can't hear. What if we say something in church? Let, let's, let's, let's change it for a minute. I, I always thought it would be fun to go to a Baptist church and preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Wouldn't that be a hoot? I would need... I would need um, you and the Bevel Boys to, to keep me from being killed. But wouldn't it be fun? But why is it that I'm not asked? They can't handle a different opinion. But they're wrong. Wouldn't it be nice if they said, come fire your best shot? If you're wrong, you're wrong. Right now, society has gotten to where everything offends them. 
I'm going to ask you to not join them. If you have a different opinion, you have a different opinion. Don't separate friends over it. Don't, don't allow your marriage to, don't allow, don't allow the devil in your house because you and your wife don't see eye to eye. She's different. She's different on purpose. He's different. He's different on purpose. Don't try to turn him into a woman. Let him be a man. Thank y'all. I'm doing a good job. Y'all aren't amen or nothing. You're just looking at me. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I think all of y'all are beautiful. Uh, I, Sunday morning, I love waking up and seeing you. Now, I have a hard time preaching some things because I know you don't agree. Don't leave church. Just walk out and go, he's wrong, until God shows you. And he may show me. Now, I'm going to tell you a person I have a lot of respect for, and that's Andrew Walmack. Andrew Walmack got up one time and started talking about how him and Bobby Andean don't agree on eternal security. But yet Bobby Andean teaches in his Bible school. And, by, and how is Andrew allowing someone different than him to teach in his Bible school without throwing him out on his ear? Thank you. Because you'll never learn anything. Come on, y'all. Is this good? I wasn't going to preach on love today. But I'm going to ask you to do something for yourself. Let other people have an opinion. <laughs> and love them in spite of it. You might find they might not be as wrong as you thought they were. So why does someone else's opinion rattle you? Could it be you're wrong? I found out that when Lisa ticks me the most is when she's right. Don't shout me down. Have you ever had anybody tell you something that was true and you just irritated you to no end? Oh, God, not, don't use her, Jesus, don't use her. We will never grow, and you'll never grow as a Christian if you don't learn to love people and let them be as they are. I love my wife as she is. God's not done with her, but I love her for who she is. I even love Melanie Hayward. She's a little bit weird, but I love her anyway. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. And I'll bet you if we sat down and started talking Bible, we'd all have different opinions. And it's okay. One day we'll all get to heaven and Jesus will straighten us all out. But in the meantime, he loves us. Boy, if we ever got to the place where we love people even though we don't agree with them, we'd be an awesome church. Amen. So if someone's wrong, love them enough while they get right. If they're, if they're right, love yourself enough to change. But don't cut relationships because you differ. Amen. I, God put me on a construction site one time with all black people. Now, I know I'm not being racist. I had no black friends. I had no earthly idea what it was like to run around with the brothers. <laughs> I 
And I'm going to tell you, for this white boy, for the first few months, it was quite tough. Honky. I found out what a honky is. White people pull up outside and honk their horn for you to come out because they're afraid to get out of the car. I, th- I found that out. I didn't know that. But it was fun because I made friends with them. And we became friends. Some of them got born again. And I got to do one of them's funeral. It was a former Black Panther. Because I fell in love with these guys. They're people. But I never would have had I not said, and I'm going to tell you, it was brutal. Some conversations we had were brutal about the KKK and white folk and everything else. But I had to go to work. And it was for my good. God did it. God will put you in a place that makes you uncomfortable. Because he wants to change you. Let him do it. That's not my sermon. Thank you for Pastor Appreciation Day. I appreciate that. I said that because, you know, pastoring in today's society has become difficult. We're either going to compromise or we're going to preach truth. And we preach truth. We have people sometimes that get upset. Go ahead and get upset, but I'll see you next week. Amen. Amen. You're a family. You don't just keep changing churches every time somebody you don't like something somebody said. If you're mature, show me by growing up. Amen. I'll be here too. And since you have to put up with me forever, you might as well learn to get along with me. And I will tell you all this. I am working on my love walk because I need it. Everybody say amen. amen. Lisa loves it. And I asked, I was with Johnny Hammond the other day and Robin in Georgia. We were watching Lisa. And I said, have I changed? And he said, no. I said, you don't mean I haven't had my love walking better? He said, yeah, yeah, but I don't want you to change. I said, Johnny, I love you, but I needed to change. He said, yeah, you've changed some. But I'm working on it. Amen. I found out that it's not as easy as I thought it would be to change. It's not going to be easy for you to change either. But uh, I'm going to say like Andrew Walmack, I left. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I'm going to be. Amen. So hallelujah. Amen. Are you all ready for the word? All right. Get your Bibles out and let's go to Mark chapter 10. And don't be afraid of the title. It's called The Altar. We're going to talk about altars a little bit. Yes, we are. There's a scripture here in the Bible. I think that prosperity preachers need to preach it. Oh, I've got to do something. I haven't done this for three weeks. Elvira, stand up. This is our new member from Texas. <laughs> and, her, and her handsome husband. Amen. They just, she just moved here and her father and um, just got married to somebody in the church. Some guy back there. But I told her a couple weeks ago I was, in, I was going to introduce her, um, moved here with her family, and so let's just welcome her. And anyway, there's another person in here you need to know about, Don Sharp. Don Sharp was on vacation for a while, and I'm going to be gracious, and that's all I'm going to say about it. We missed him. We welcome him back. When people walk into church, 
You know one thing they need, even though they may not like it at first? They need a hug. Now, some of y'all, now y'all remember when you first came, we hugged you and you did this to us. You remember you did that. And some of you are the worst huggers now. I mean, you, you don't even leave without grabbing three people and giving them a big hug. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm going to tell you something. There are times I would pay someone to just to get, hold me for a minute and hug me and tell me it's going to be all right. So we do it free. If you don't like it, hang around. You'll get used to it. Amen. All right. And we even love cowboys too, so even if they aren't from Texas. All right. Go to Mark chapter 10, and let's talk about, let's talk about a subject that I think charismatics need to talk about, and uh, that's relationship with God versus money. Amen. Mark 10, 17. It says that now he was going out of the road. One came and knelt before him and said, Good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? As I'm ministering, don't forget the question. The question is, I want eternal life. Now, is that big? It is when you die. Now, I'm going to say this right now. Everybody in hell right now would give everything they've ever owned to get out. Be willing to pay a price not to go. Amen. Rockefeller, I believe, is in hell. How much money did he leave? All of it. What good did it do him? Listen, no, it, it did him no good, folks. And, and a lot of times we talk about prosperity. I want to swing over on the other side of that because we're going to talk about the, prod, the, the rich young ruler. We're going to talk about Jesus' conversation with this young man. And why did Jesus say what he said and how is that related to you and I? So let's move on. Let's read it. Um, and he said, um, what do I have to have eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one's good but God. Now, you notice he's kneeling and calling him good. And I think what he's asking him is, is, do you know who I am? I think he's asking him, do you have a revelation of who I am? I think that's a big question. Do you know who he is? Because if you don't, that's going to change the way you live. You will never pay the price to walk with God if you don't know who he is. He's either God or he is not. And if he's God, he needs to be obeyed. Why do you call me good? No one's good. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said, teacher, I've kept these things from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and said, and he loved him. He didn't say, no, you hadn't. He looked at him and loved him. In other words, Jesus likes the guy. But you know what? That doesn't change the situation just because God loves you. So he looks at him and he loves him. And then he makes a statement and he said, one thing you lack. Let's talk about prosperity here for a minute before we go on. You and I both know God is not out. But what he did not say to him is that you've got to be broke to be a Christian. Did he? No, we know better than that. I mean, all of us in this room, I've preached on prosperity every Sunday for 30-something years. If you don't understand that God wants you blessed, you're missing something somewhere. You had not been in church. We understand that Jesus is Jewish. 
God is Jewish. Abraham's Jewish. Abraham was rich. Joe was rich. Jesus was rich. So we know he's not telling him that he's got to be poor in order to be a Christian. But he is going to do something with this young man because of a situation. There is one thing more important than money. Relationships. Jesus offered him a relationship with himself. And he turned it down for money. Folks, that's huge. Why am I preaching that here in the Word of Life Church? Because we're Americans. We have money. You know the biggest hindrance right now to your walk with God is money or your job. Did you know that when I got born again, I was supernaturally broke? Do you know how easy it was to get saved when you ain't got nothing? Where could I go? Up. I couldn't afford to go anywhere. I didn't have any money. I needed God. I didn't have any money. I needed God. I was sick. I needed God. I, I was so big a mess. I needed Jesus. Now, it's different when you have a checkbook full of money and a car and a truck and a house and a vacation home. Now, you're faced with a dilemma. Now, in America, it is more difficult to preach to people in America than it is Africa or India or or anywhere else. I've been places in this earth where I gave an altar call, everybody in the building came forward and got born again. I've been in places where everybody in the building got filled with the Holy Ghost. I've been to places where, where people walked, where I went in in the morning and preached till the sun went down and nobody even got up and went home. They were so hungry for God, but not here. Never had it happen in America. Never have. Because we have never valued the relationship with God above all. It would be good to do so. All right. Let's read this again because I want you to see this. Um, He said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. He's offering him a position as an apostle. He's offering him a position at his right hand forever. Now, what he he just offered him, way more value than than this. Now, why did he put his finger on this? Why? Because this had his heart, not him. All right, now, we got to go here, so please go with me. We're going to talk about what a covenant is. The only thing we have in the United States of America close to a blood covenant is marriage. Marriage is a blood covenant between a man and a woman. That's what it is. It came from the Bible. So the book of Ephesians, and please go to Ephesians 5 with me, and let's talk about marriage for a minute so that we can get a better understanding of God. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Don't go quiet on me. I already got all your money in, the, in that, so anyway, I already got all your tithes and all that. I already got all your money, so you might as well enjoy the service. <laughs> you know, the, one of the reasons why I, I have never made a big deal out of pastor appreciation People have this thing about you talking about, give me money. <laughs> this doesn't, it looks weird. <laughs> I need your, no, I don't do that. 
I'll let Justin take your money and give it to me, but I won't take your money. I'll do it. He said he'll do it. But there is truth there. I will tell you all this. Your view of me is everything in the world to whether, whether you receive from God. And if Satan wants to rob you, he'll put a divide between me and you. The moment you get offended at the minister, your day's done. Because I didn't call me. I don't agree with everything Pastor Hagen does, but he's pastor. I don't agree with everything that Mark Hagen does, but he's a man of God. I know these men well. I know all their faults. Not all of them, but love them anyway. Because they're men God called. And I've learned to honor the gift of God that's in them. And bless that. And God honors me because of that. And he knows they're imperfect. He don't have no perfect people. There, ain't not, there aren't any. Well, I'm close. I don't know why you all think that's so funny. I'm offended. Last and least, yeah, Pastor Lisa does think so. She thinks I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread because I told her to think that. Let's look at this now, Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, we, we're not going to do that today, but one day we'll spend all day on that one. Men, say amen. Amen. <laughs> Bunch of cowards, come on. <laughs> For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church and Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy without blemish. Husbands, you ought to love your wives as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, nourishes, cherishes it, as the Lord does the church. We're his members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. All right. Marriage was supposed to be till death do you part. It's a covenant to not... If you were telling the truth when you got married, you'd still be married today. Somebody lied. Now, I don't want you to feel bad for the ones of you that are divorced. I am too. I was too. I understand what it's like to be married to somebody, and I'm not beating me up or you. But marriage was supposed to be, you're supposed to know what you're doing when you walk up here. So what is, what is marriage? What is it? Well, I'm going to define it the best way I know. Lisa asked me a question when we got married. She said, why do you cry at everyone's wedding but ours? I said, well, I was not crying at mine because I was thinking about the honeymoon. Now, I want you all to understand something. When I met Lisa, I, I, I just fell head over heels in love with that girl. And I, we would go to my house, and, and I spoiled her rotten. Amen. 
I cooked her steak and shrimp and crab and made her salads and just wined her and dined her and treated her like a million dollars and still do. Did not change. But I will tell you that there was one time of the day I hated, 10 o'clock at night, I hated 10 o'clock because her father said, you will have her home at 10. And every night, and when the clock was about to strike 10, get in the truck, I got to take you home. And I didn't like it. But there came a day, May the 3rd, 1986, when I saw her walking down that aisle, I went, I ain't taking you home tonight. <laughs> now, I say this with all of the kindness that I can about Bill and Martha. I love my mother-in-law. I love my father-in-law. But when I finally got her, she's mine. And I don't care what you think. So when I took her off on the honeymoon, I hope they understood she would not be home by 10. And I haven't taken her back since. So why am I talking like this? Because that she is what I wanted. I wanted a relationship with Lisa Leggett. And I gave her my name, and I gave her my checkbook, and I gave her my credit card, and I gave her my laundry. I gave her everything. And you're sitting there going, amen, you understand that, yeah. But you know what I wanted out of her? I want her. I want her. I want her to reciprocate that. I want her to give me her. Now, you understand, at the end of the day, we have a house, but it never hugs me. Without her being in it, it's just walls. There's a kitchen, but if she's not in there, it's just pans. I have a truck, but if I have no home to go to and a family to go home to, it's just a muck of metal. The most valuable thing I have on this earth is people, is friend, family. My wife, my sons, my daughters. That's the most valuable thing I own. I want to say something about God. He's jealous of you. He's very jealous of you. The things you own, he hates it when they get between you and him. So let's go back to the story of the rich rich young ruler. He says, one thing you lack, come be with me. And he said, That's heavy. It wasn't that he was taking his money because he later, the, later Peter comes along and goes, you, you, I mean, it says they were astonished at his saying. He said, who could be saved? And he made a statement. He says, no man that ever left houses or lands for my sake will not receive a hundredfold in this time. Lisa didn't go broke marrying me. I didn't care anything about all her money, but she didn't go broke marrying me. She got me. You see, you see, when Jesus said this to the rich young ruler, he's offering him relationship, and, 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 and he made a statement, and I think we need to hear it. You can't serve God money. Now, to an American, that's a hard thing for you to hear. You cannot serve God and your job. Do you know what most Americans do first before God or anybody? Their job is usually number one. Right now in America, people are falling apart. I'm losing my job. And they're calling Lisa and I and going, 
What do we do? And I'm thinking, we've been telling you for 35 years what to do. And you haven't even been to church to know what to do. In other words, you have never even thought about putting God first. Now your life is falling apart and you're scrambling. See, I'm not sitting around wondering what to do. Because money has not been my number one priority. Thank God for it. I like having a truck that I don't have to worry about breaking down. That's why I buy a Toyota, not a Dodge. You know, if a truck tells you to dodge it, either that or ram it, I'm not sure what that means. But I mean, that ought to be enough indication that God is talking to you. I'm teasing if you have a Dodge. Don't, don't get mad and leave the church. But I like having a vehicle. I don't have to carry jumper cables and a, and a gas can around. I carried tools everywhere. I went in some of my old trucks. I like having a house that I got two air conditioners. We had one go out the other day. We just closed all the doors except the bedroom and called the air conditioning guy. We got, I got two septic tanks. We got five commodes and three people. We're doing good. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Lisa and Justin and I went somewhere the other day and we, we got a, a hope. We had one bathroom. That's not fun. That is not fun. The hotel has one downstairs. I just want to let you all know that. But you know, I, I thank God that he has blessed me. But I'll tell you something. My, the, the thing I value the most in life above everything on this planet is my relationship with God. I love him. I love him. When I got born again, there's nothing he could have asked me. I wouldn't have gone and done it. And the same is true now. Have I been challenged? Yes. I've had times when God talked to me and I'm like, I don't want to do that. Have you? Yeah. Right now is a time in America that we need to bring the altar back into church. There's times you need to get up and come up and spend some time with God. Because you're asking me, what do I do? And I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't know what to say. But I'll tell you this. You, get a, you talk to him. He'll show you what to do. And I'm asking the church to come back to a vital relationship with God above all. We want jobs. I want to live in America. I want all those ships to dock. Never mind. <laughs> Genesis. Let's, let's go to Romans chapter 12 now. Are y'all, y'all getting this? This is good. Romans 12. I heard a story one time about an Indian out west that was during a revival, and there was this really mean Indian that came into the church service, and at the end of the service, the Indian came forward in the altar call, and he laid in the altar, and and he was up there wrestling with God. And finally, after a while, he pulled his knife out and said, God, here's the Indian's knife. I'll never use it against a man again. Laid it on the altar. And he stayed in the altar because he still didn't have any peace. And finally, after about 15 minutes of struggling with God, he pulled his gun out and said, God, here's the Indian's gun. I'll never use it against him on another man forever. This Indian's gun. And he 
he still didn't have any peace, and he struggled a while, and finally he crawled up on the altar, and he said, God, here's the Indian. I think a lot of times we want to give him the knife and the gun, but we're not quite sure we want to crawl up there ourselves. And there's been times he's asked me, I want you to crawl up on that altar. I want you. So let's read this. It says, I, I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. There are some things we need to spend time talking to God about. I can't do that. I'm going to say this. Go, go, go to Genesis 12. Let me say this while, while you're turning. Kenneth Hagin made a statement when I went to Ramah. And he said, we never had the problems in the church when we had altars that we do now. You're trying to get something fixed by getting in a line and falling down that you can't get fixed without getting up here and getting on your knees and spending time with God. I, I believe with all of my heart that the church is coming back into a time where God is calling you to himself. I believe that with all my heart. That's why the other day I made a statement about my love walk. God began to deal with me. And I had some stuff I had to lay on the altar. I had to give up some ideas of mine for his. Amen. I said, Genesis, what am I doing in Psalms? You don't know, do you? Genesis chapter 12. When God calls you, he thinks he has a right to you. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Now, let me stop for a minute and talk about him for, the, let's just talk about him. When I got born again, the first thing he said to me, dope, playboys, rock music, dumpster. I did that. And then he began to talk to me about getting out of the house I lived in with the people that I was living with. Get out of here. This is not a good environment for you. And he, he, he dealt with me to move my family to a mobile, I was getting free rent to move where I'm paying rent. But he said, you get out of here and go where I show you. And I moved into a mobile home, paid $100 a month for it. And I lived there for a short while. And I spent that time away from people and alone with God to get to know God. He began to talk to me about get a job. Imagine that. And after I got a job, then he began to deal with me to move to an apartment complex. And then from there, he began to talk to me. Now, by now, I'm working at CertainTeed. And I'm making more money than I've ever made in my entire life. And they're grooming me for management. You buy a brand new home, $30,000. You buy a Camaro for $3,000. I'm making good money. And the Lord said to me, go to Tulsa. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, to put hardship on you. I'm just telling you that to... to to God, he's not worried about my, my income as much as you think he is. He didn't save me to make me rich. He saved me to create a son. Yes. I'm a son. 
or the bride of Christ. And when he says, I want you in Tulsa, I went from making a lot of money to, to 20 a day going to Bible school. And I didn't, it didn't bother me, though. Did, does that shock you? Because I, I love God. I, my highest joy in life is to be in his will. Now, again, I worked a secular job. I didn't make a lot of money. I didn't care. I'm, I'm going to Bible school. I'm, I'm loving it. And then he tells me from there, he says, I want you to move to Orlando to be a youth pastor. Do you understand what they pay youth pastors? Pay them nothing. We're supposed to, th thank, we're supposed to thank God that we're in ministry. We don't need money. We don't have to eat. Thank y'all. So I became a youth pastor, and I loved it. God kept moving me, moving me, moving me. I want you to understand something. You, you don't tell God how you're going to serve him Amen. or where you're going to serve him or what you're going to be. But yet, Lisa and I know a young lady, a different young lady, different young lady, that um, she's a... Um, what do you call her, Justin, in Nashville? A singer, a singer-songwriter singer in Nashville. Beautiful girl. Great voice. God, she's talented. And yet, we took her to Mark's, and um, she's out back praying that someone would come talk to her. And I walked in the back door, because I never walk in the back door. And I'm sitting down there talking to her. And I said, um, young lady, let me say something to you. You have a gift, but you're going to have to submit it to God. You can't try to put yourself in ministry. You're going to have to lay it on the altar. You have a gift, but right now you're trying to make it happen, and she's miserable. And she did. She made the adjustment. She stopped doing all the things. See, if you're going to try to put yourself in, you're going to compromise. I've never compromised a thing to obey God. If he told me to be a youth pastor, I figured he'd pay the bills, and he did. Not very well, but he did. But there comes a payday. There's a payday if you obey God. And then another one, you've heard me tell the story. I, my greatest, highest ambition on this planet, being born again, was to become an evangelist. I, because I'm, I got saved at an Ernest Angley meeting, I got healed by the power of God. My, my greatest quest in life was to help everybody like me not born again. And I got a pilot's license, Kenneth Copeland pilot's license, Kenneth Copeland suit, Kenneth Copeland Bible. And I'm fully ready to go all over the earth and do what I'm seeing Kenneth do, T.L. Osborne do, and everybody who's an evangelist do. And that was my dream. It's what I wanted to do for God. Until... He said, we're alive. And I said, excuse me. You know that people have prophesied I'm not a pastor. And I'm not. I'm mean. I'm rough. <laughs> Love is patient. Love is kind. It hardly notices. And the day that he said something about pastor in his church, that I never even had the thought. 
It had ne- I, if it came in my mind, I cast it out. Because you, no, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. Do you understand what it's like to work with you day in and day out? To get to know you, the good, the bad, and the ugly? It, it, is, it is probably the most difficult job I've ever had in my entire life. It's not, it's not easy. And, and if you guys would just go to the hospital on schedule and die in my schedule, don't. Don't, don't, stop dying when I'm on vacation. Stop it. Bunch of rebellious people. But in other words, it is not an easy job. And when God asked me to do it, I didn't even believe I could do it. I didn't pick a popka. I didn't pick pastor. There's a lot of things I didn't pick. And I had to lay a lot of stuff that I wanted to do on an altar. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And I'll tell you, I have peace because of it. I'm glad that I'm doing what he asked me to do. But to, but to think that he doesn't have a right to say something to me, it's crazy. He has a right. Folks, listen, listen very carefully what I'm about to say. You young people, you, you come up in church, you get born again filled with the Holy Ghost, and when you get to be young adults, you pick a college, and you go to a major that you're not called to, a school he didn't call you to with money you don't have. And you haven't even asked God about it. I'll come over here and preach. You, who told you you had to go to college? It's a lie. So after four years or eight, you go, oh, no, I'm not doing that. What do you think that looks like? That, your mama spent a lot of money on you. And your daddy sacrificed for you. And you don't even know what you're doing. Why don't you pray and find out first? I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to help us. Get up here and find out. When Lisa and I got married, I thoroughly convinced her I was called to be in the ministry. And I, I, I tried to start an evangelistic association, and it didn't work. God would not talk to me. And you know, I'm, I, I have told her that I'm in minister, and, you, and God won't even talk to me about it. So every day when I got home, I went in a bedroom. I, went, I took a shower first. I took a shower. Lisa fed me dinner. I went jogging, I went running, ran three miles a night, worked out with weights every night, and then I went in there and prayed. What are you, what are you doing? I mean, I went to Bible school for what? I mean, I, I did not do anything until I heard from God. I'd already tried to make it, I'd already started my own ministry. It didn't work. See, see what, what we're dealing with right now is we have a lot of people doing what they want to do. And the time you're in, you're freaking out. Yeah. Because right now, it isn't working. Right. So people ask me all the time, what do I do? And I go, I don't have any idea. You want me to do your praying for you, you big lazy thing? Get up here yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds brutal, but, but I, I can't. 
I can't do that for you. You've, you and I have got the church in America must return to God. I'm not talking about being born again, you go to heaven when you die. I'm talking about a vital relationship with Jesus. And therein is our issue. Let's look at another scripture here. Are y'all okay? Tell me you're breathing. All right, Genesis 22, 1. It came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him to me as a burnt offering. The God of love did, excuse me, what? Ask me for my son to take him and burn him? Now, see, God is not, God's not an American. This is not a Western book. This is an Eastern book. This is a blood covenant book. Do you know what God is doing? Abraham. What's between me and you, Abraham? That boy of yours? Kill him. Folks, you and I have not, you don't know God yet. God is a jealous. He, he died in your place. He went to hell in your place. He rose from the dead in your place. He is very jealous of you. He loves you and he wants you and nothing else but you. He wants you to return the love. need to wake up on Sunday morning and go, it's Sunday, glory to God, I'm going to church. And I'm going to tell you something, your life will change. Because there's nothing God can't do. But I'll tell you what, when you start stiff-arming him, he'll go, eh, excuse me, I don't think so. So anyway, his son looks at the donkey and goes, Dad, I see the firewood. I see the knife. Where's the sacrifice? And the boys, Abraham's not nervous, but the boys come. I don't see a sacrifice. He said, oh, son, shoot. I thought you loved me, Dad. I do, but I love God more. Can I change subjects here just a tad? Just a little bit. Just go a little different direction. Do you remember when Jesus was preaching and, and, and the Bible says in Matthew 12, I think, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to talk to you. This is going to be a tough, this is going to be a tough scripture. Do you remember what happened when he was 12? Where have you been, boy? Well, I was at my father's house. Don't you ever do it again. Mary ruled the roost. 12 years old and he, he submitted. But he's 30. Your mama wants to have a word with you. And he says, you go tell my mother. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Amen. I'm following God. Mom, I am your son, but I'm not your little boy. I belong to God. When I married Lisa, I don't care what Bill thinks. I didn't ask him his opinion anymore. I never brought her back. She's my wife. You and I belong to God. 
He's not asking anybody permission. You're his. Amen. Am I doing good? So Jesus says, tell my mother and my brothers. Those who hear the word of God and do it are my brothers and sisters. And he never even went out and had a talk with his mom. Mama. Uh-uh. The biggest problem you're going to have with your walk with God will be your family. And there may, you may have to make some choices and go, uh-uh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey God. And when you do, you're going to go, huh? I mean, your family's going to scream. Where have you been? How come you don't go on vacation with us anymore? Because y'all are a bunch of heathen. <laughs> Woo! You don't have to go on vacation with your parents anymore. If you want to go obey God, you go obey God. No, boy, that went over right there. First Kings 17. I'm trying, I'm, I'm working on my love walk. Am I doing all right with my love walk? I mean, I told you earlier, I, I warned you, that sometimes you have to say things that people go, ouch. I think I'm doing good. It doesn't bother me because I'm obeying God. All right, first, first Kings, I mean, 17. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives by whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years except at my word. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And he went and did all according to the word of the Lord. Where is God feeding him? At the brook Cherith. At the brook Cherith. Did he say Wakiva? No, okay, so let's, let's get a picture. Let's say he shows up at Wakaiva. God, feed me. No food. Can we get it closer to home? God, help me with this job. Uh-uh. That's not where I told you to go. Help me in this town. Uh-uh. Not where I told you to go. Does he have a right to tell you where to go and what to do? Absolutely, he's got a right to tell you where to go and what to do. You know why he put you in this church? To grow you up. Are there people who here don't like you? Good. If they don't get on your nerves, hang around, I will. What for? Why does God put you with people? Because it shows you you. I'm going to tell you something. You want to walk in love? Join a church. It's like a cowboy movie. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All those people down there, ain't nobody even talks to me. Well, oh, I'm doing real good. See, I quit going to this church too. (laughs) Y'all just didn't know it. Lisa looked at me one day and she said, you need to go back. I said, I don't like them and they don't like me. I'm not going back to that church. Why should I go? She said, honey, you're the pastor. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been good for me. It's been good for all of us. Amen. Amen. 
So he told him to go to the brook Cherith. There is a place he wants you. There's a place he wants me. You and I are going to have to start learning to get a hold of God because when it gets tough, you need to know where he wants you. Because it's going to get tough. Amen? All right, let me see if I have any more for you before I quit and go home. Acts 9, remember, I'm just going to quote this one. Go to Acts 9, 1. Remember when Jesus found Peter, he said, follow me. I'll make you a fisherman. He just walked up to him and said, and he walked away from his nets and his boats. And he, and he didn't say, well, Peter, let's make a deal here. Okay, you can fish on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Right? No. He said, come. That's all he said. When I looked at Lisa, I said, come. Yeah, but what about come? Let's you and me go do it together. Let's do it. And we've had a ball without Bill and Martha. I'm picking on that. I know that makes that sound weird to you. Go to Acts 9. You know that I've never told Justin what he's called to do. You know why? I don't want him trusting me. I don't want my son to come back and say, Dad, you called me in the ministry. I didn't call him in the ministry. He had to hear from God. I don't run around telling my kids what they're called to do. Once they get to adulthood, they're not yours. You already raised them. Well, what if he messes up? There is a God. You don't have enough faith in God that he can, take, he can take care of Justin and Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Send me something from the truck, whatever state you're in. And there was a time with the girls. I had no relationship with Ashley for a while because of, because of my first marriage. You know, the only thing I could do was trust God. There's a God. He's a big God. He said he'll bring my children back to me and they'll, and they'll be nursed at my side. I have a scripture. That's all I have is a scripture. But did he do it? You better believe he did it. And Ashley and I have a very good relationship today. So does Che. I love my daughter. Che and I. Che's my movie girl. What, what, what did we go see the other day? The Jesus music. Good. And the next one is, um, what's his name? Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis. We're going to go see C.S. Lewis together. So when Che and I, we have dates together. I date my daughter. Take her out on dates. We go, do, go have burgers together and have fun. And I always pay because I'm the man. But she's precious to me. But you know, my relationship with my kids is very valuable to me. Very, very much. I spent way too much time worrying about this church and neglecting my family. I won't do it again. Amen. Are we there? Are you there yet? Acts 9. I want you to see this in your Bible for this reason. 9-1, Saul, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him in the synagogues of Damascus. So if he found any who were in the way, whether men or women, then he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he journeyed and he came near Damascus, and a light shone from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and he heard, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. 
And he trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yes, I want y'all to learn to pray that. Please learn to pray that. Please learn to pray that. What do you want me to do? He wanted to go to the Jews. God said, no. I want you to go to the Gentiles. That was not Paul's. He kept trying to get back to the Jews. And Jesus kept dragging him back to the Gentiles. It's not what he wanted to do. He loved his nation. He loved his people. He loved Israel. He had no relationship with what he called heathen. And God said, you go to the nations. Then God wanted him to write a book. Why do you think God put him in jail? He probably kept saying, I don't have time. He goes, I can make time. I bet you I can find a way to get you to have some time. I mean, you say, I don't have time to read my Bible. God can find, help you with that time. Okay. But the biggest key there is he said this, and I think that's the key to revival. Lord, what do you want? I don't know where you are right now financially. I don't know where your job is. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what COVID has done to you. But I know the God that we serve is bigger. I know that God will take care of you. He will meet all of your needs. But I'm going to tell you this. You're going to have to have a relationship with him, and you're going to have to have some what do you want me to do. You're going to have to have that prayer. And I'll tell you, when he tells you what to do, just do it. And don't worry about it. Because he'll take care of you. Now, he might tell you if you're a businessman to go back in the world. That's fine. If you're a mother, I have a personal opinion about some women. I don't think you ever were supposed to get a job. Can we go there a minute? Do you know who started the women's lib movement? Rockefeller. Do you know why? To double his income. It was never God. I don't know what to do with my kids. Why don't you raise them? Oh, I'm going to have to stop right now. I'm already in trouble. Y'all quit. I mean, I just got this big. But just think about it just for a few minutes. I just love my children. We'll go raise them. Is God big? Listen, we serve a big God. That's just an opinion of mine. I warned you. If you have someone with a different opinion, don't leave the church because you have a different opinion than me. But when Lisa and I had our kids, she looked at me and she said, when we have children, I will not be at work. I will be home raising my kids, and she did. Now, did we have a boat? No. Did we have a kayak? No. We had a swimming pool above ground. Did we have a lot of money? No. Did we have a family? Yes. Amen. No, no, come on, come on, come on. I just, think that, I, I just think that you need to ask God, what do you want me to do? And I believe, I'll tell you, he'll meet your needs. He'll take care of you. But you pray about it. Don't go say, Pastor told me to quit my job. I did not tell you to quit your job. Now that we don't have kids at home, Lisa is a valuable asset to me. And I will say this for her. She considers her job so fun, she would do it without pay. <laughs> I, don't know about that. Now, I, I, I don't believe that either. I just got re- rebuked. Okay. 
Go, go to Acts 16 and let's close with this. Let's go to Acts 16. Uh, I got to pick on her sometimes. I gotta, I, I'm going to give you the definition of a very good husband. Watching Hallmark with your wife. That's love. <laughs> and I'll tell you what's good a good wife is letting her husband run his mouth during Hallmark we were watching a Hallmark movie one night and you know how Larry Levinson is he always interrupts the kiss always interrupts the kiss before eight minutes till there will be no kiss that's the way Larry does it. So it's about 15 minutes till, and they're about to kiss, and I'm going, they're out in the wilderness. And I looked at Lisa, and I said, how is he going to interrupt this kiss? And she goes, well, why don't you just shut up and find out? You know, why don't you? And she needs to read the book, Love is Patient, Love is Kind. And I'm just sitting there watching, because I know that he's going to interrupt this kiss. And they lean over, and they're about to put a good old juicy one, and a lion goes, and I lost it in the living room and I went they stopped the kiss for a lion are you out of your mind I mean anyway never mind so it takes a lot of love to watch a Hallmark movie with me <laughs> but I will say this we have fun together I'll let her tell you her side later she will do it too she will do it okay Acts 16 we'll close with this 16.6 when they had gone through Phygia, the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to what? They were what? To preach in Asia. Does he have a say-so? Yes. He does. And after they'd come to Mysia, they had came to Bithynia, and the Spirit did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pled with him and said, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after they had seen the vision, immediately sought to go in Macedonia and concluded the Lord called us to preach the gospel to them. Listen, we don't hear this a lot, but even though he said go in all the world, he told you, you know, man doesn't work, doesn't eat. I'm saying this to you, he should have a say-so in where you are. A lot of the trouble going on in the church today is because we're doing what we want to and asking him to bless it. That's where a lot of our problems are. I don't think that, a, that as a Christian we need to fear the time we live in. I don't. You, you, you ladies that are nurses, start a hospital. And make sure that no one who's vaccinated is allowed to work in it. Yeah. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. You policemen, start your own security service. I got another one. You school teachers, start a school. No vaccinated people work here. And you teach them prayer and Jesus. Listen. Listen, you're more powerful than the government of the United States. They work for you. Yeah. Somebody forgot to tell them that. Yeah. If Jesus said all authority is given unto me, we have all authority. We're building a school in this church. We're building a school. And Lisa and I have already decided that if the government tries to get involved in it, we're going to make it gratis. Pay us what you can. We're going to do it one way or the other. 
Amen? Because our kids are important. I don't think that God fell off the throne in the last two years. He is a good God, and He is a big God, and He will take care of us. Amen. Say amen again. Come on. I think that we may have to get creative. You remember the Model T Ford? No, some of y'all don't. Bob does. Who else remembers the Model T? Come on, come on. You remember it. You're not that old. Don't give me that. You remember the Model T. See, see, there's people here who remember the Model T. But do you know that when it came out, when the horse and buggy went away, people cried, what are we going to do with all these horses? Well, when something changes, change. Sell your horse and get a car. We're thinking of putting a charging station in our church. I want Mercedes, Bentleys, Rolls Royces, and Teslas parked in my parking lot. I want everybody to know we're rich. If you want to charge your car during the service, I'll preach longer. So you can get... Come on, y'all, are you, are you thinking with me? I, I just think that we live in a wonderful time. Amen. And I think it's time for us to get in creative. But I've also done a lot of seeking God lately, and I've had a lot of altar time. Father, how do I pastor now? How do I do this now? How do we have, what do you want us to do? People keep saying, well, I want to knock that wall out. We're talking about knocking that wall out and, and, and tearing that sound booth out and putting the sound booth over. I don't know yet. I'm praying. What do you want to do? We're going to do what he wants to do. You, do you remember the other day when we paid off the building? Well, it, it, I didn't do it. He and you did it. I just, he just said, pay the building off. And I went, whoa, that's huge. And I just asked y'all and jumped on and away we went. But I couldn't have done that without him. I got to hear from God. I got to, you want to do what? Pay the bill. Are you serious? All right, let's do it. Now, if he hadn't said it to me, I would never have done anything. I can't, I can't make you. I could. I have a gun. Probably wouldn't get but one offering out of it. Isn't God good? I'm I'm preaching out of my heart right now. This whole sermon started with a young lady that Lisa and I know, part of her family, and called her the other day and said, what do I do? And I looked at Lisa and I said, what's she been doing for the last 25, 30 years in church? She doesn't know God any better now than she did 25 years ago. I mean, it's time for her to get a relationship with God. It's time for all of us. You want to make it? Want to have a good life? Find an altar and get to know your Father. Amen. I'm done. You ready to pray? Father, I take the responsibility of pastoring this church very serious. I take the responsibility of standing here in front of all these people that you love and I love very serious I know that some of them right now are going through some stuff and I know COVID has created a lot of havoc in our land 
I know the devil is raising Cain, but I also know you're bigger than that. I don't know what to say when they come and say, I don't know what to do. I, I really don't know what to tell them. But I know you do. I know you know what to say to them. I'm inviting them to draw near you. I, I've done the best I can from the scriptures today and preaching to, to implant them in their mind that maybe we ought to put altars back in churches and spend time just seeking God more. Because, Father, we're living in a time, but I, I know that no matter what the devil's doing, you can trump him. And you'll take care of us, and, you, and you'll watch over us, and we'll be fine. But I think it's time. I don't think it's going to happen automatically. I, I really believe, Father, that we're going to have to learn as a church to draw near to you. And I pray that they would hear my heart today and take some time this week and find a place and just sit down and get alone with you and begin to cast the care and pray and seek your face. Because you have answers for them I don't have. And I pray that they leave today and say it was good to be in church. And I thank you for every one of them. And I, and I pray that no matter where they are, nurses or, or teachers or, or lawyers or whatever, businessmen, that you'll take care of them in the time that we're living in. And then we'll look back and say it was good to have lived in that time. It was a wonderful time. And God was good to us. And I give you glory for that, sir, in Jesus' name. Well, I'm going to go home and count all the money you gave me. And then give it to Lisa. Before he leaves, hello. We just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. You guys are an amazing group of people. And we love pastoring you. Praise God. And the all Lord. you people online, we love you too. Even though we can't see you. We love you too. Thank you if so you're much. Here, if you're three miles away from church, why weren't you here today? Anyway. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Wait till I get to preach about Clint Eastwood and John Wayne. I got my own things to say about them. Go home. Go home. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God will provide himself a sacrifice. That's really what Abraham said to his son. So go back to that, that he said earlier. When his son said, hey, Dad, I don't see the sacrifice. Abraham looked at Isaac and said, God will provide himself a sacrifice and he actually did provide himself later on down the down the road God provided God as a sacrifice but he said that God will provide himself a sacrifice for this burnt offering and the truth is he did have one set up he had a ram set up it wasn't Isaac but it was himself and later on down the road it was Jesus if you say with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you haven't done that, do it today. I don't want you to go to hell. That's too long. It's forever. It's a choice that needs to be made now. So as the altar workers are coming forward, we want to open up this altar for you to have a chance to have prayer. Amen? If you don't know how to pray, they know how to pray. They know how to get an agreement with you. They know how to get God to answer your prayer because he said he would answer it. He says, anybody that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Amen. 
But you have to make the decision to come. You have to make the decision really to say what Pastor said this morning needs to be a prayer that we say and pray every day of our life. God, what do you want me to do? When I married my husband, I had to be willing to go to Georgia and go back to his home state if that's where God led him. There's not a lot of lakes in Georgia. They're all up in the north Georgia area in near North Carolina, but I love to swim. I love fall, but I love to swim. I, I swim almost every day of my life. And a lot of those rivers up there are muddy. But I had to be willing to say, I would go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll leave my family. I had to be willing to say that. Are you willing to say that this morning? God, I'm looking at you straight on. I am willing to leave my home. I am willing to leave my family. I am willing to leave my job. I am willing to leave everything that I know and that's comfortable to me if you so desire and follow you. If you haven't said that to God lately or at all, you're not following him. Maybe with reservations. But your true blessing will come when you can say, God, what do you want me to do? We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.